G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Well, just over 12 months from now is a significant event that we can all be proud of as Australians. A centenary celebration marking a 100 years since one of the most important battles of the Middle East. A handful of brave Australian light horsemen led a cavalry charge in Beersheba. Opening up the door to Palestine, ending 400 years of Ottoman rule and allowing the beginnings of the Jewish return to their homeland. Barry Rogers and historian Kelvin Crombie are going to lead a light horse reenactment group to Israel next year. Barry Rogers, who is a director and life member of the Light Horse Association, is joining us. Hello, Barry. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, good to be with you, Neil. Barry, tell me about the 100 years. It's coming up at the end of October next year. That means there's just over a year or so of planning to go. This Mm. is not your first venture into doing a reenactment like this, but what is it going to look like in a year from now? Well, it'll be a very significant event with up to 200 horses going through the desert, through the same wadis, uh, following quite literally in the steps of the light horse in uh, the route that they took in 1917 to Beersheba in full military uniform, and uh, as did the 90th anniversary in 2007, it attracted worldwide media attention. So what's it like at the end of October, uh, there in Israel, there as you're leading the reenactment charge? uh, It's the same time of year, the same weather conditions. Mm. Uh, What were our light horsemen experiencing almost 100 years ago? Uh, it's, a, it's a good question. I've been involved in a lot of things in my life. I, I started a Christian school in Victoria. I was the founding principal. I started an outdoor education centre that has 15,000 young people going through its uh, leadership programs. But that ride in 2007 was the most significant project I've ever been involved in, and I don't even know that I can explain why. It was just something in my spirit that I felt was uh, profoundly important and uh and that that uh, has remained with me. But the conditions at the time, that time of year, it's very hot, it's very dry, and as I understand it, our light horsemen almost 100 years ago were out of water mm. and there was no other way other than to move in on this particular location there in Beersheba mm. uh, and not only get themselves water but to overthrow the Turks who were defending it at the time. Very difficult terrain. Um, at night time, it's freezing cold, and uh, we we slept. We didn't. I didn't even take my boots off. It was just so cold. We slept on the ground because we wanted to do it where they did it and how they did it. And just our ground sheets and horse blankets were uh, soaked in horse sweat because during the day it's incredibly hot, and uh, and it's very easily to get dehydrated. So you can imagine uh, we could certainly appreciate how important it was to get to the water at Beersheba and get those wells. Otherwise, that would have been a military disaster. So you've got 200 light horsemen who are going to line up for the reenactment. 
and they're going to be in full kit, mm. I imagine. Uh, what sort of uniform are they wearing, and uh, where do you get the horses from for an mm. a reenactment like this? Well, uh, there's a lot of horses in Israel. Uh, the equestrian sports are very, very popular. In fact, there's in excess of 15,000 horses in Israel, and we get them from two main riding ranches uh, up in uh, the Carmel area, and they bring them down in trucks and... Uh, it's quite a business getting them all sorted out, putting our saddles on and bridles and getting everybody sorted out with the horses and to get going. And at night time, uh, we have to uh, have them guarded because uh, our friendly neighbourhood Bedouins are no different than they were 100 years ago and they'll knock your horses off if you're not looking. So um, it's a big enterprise uh, to make all this happen. The reenactment is it a uh, is it just walking the horses? Is it a canter, or do you actually get into a full charge? Uh, no, we we don't do any galloping. Um, the owner of the horses is fairly concerned we don't hot them up, and uh, we want to keep it as safe as possible. So we would probably do eighty percent walking, as the troops did in World War One, incidentally, with all their gear on. Probably. Um, 15% trotting and 5% cantering. And when we do the charge, um, we'll go more to canter than we do at a gallop. Tell me about the makeup of those light horsemen 100 years ago because uh, there were uh, Indigenous Australian soldiers amongst the, mm. uh, the outfit. Mm. And there's a special focus next year that is going to be on those Indigenous soldiers. That's correct. Uh, a lot of people don't realise the role that the uh, the Indigenous soldiers played in World War One, particularly in the, the light horse. Uh, it was fairly well recognised, particularly in the bush, that these men were incredible horsemen. They, they just had something about them with horses. And as a result, they a lot of them got... Um, put into the light horse regiments. They were very good horse breakers um, and fearless riders and uh, just blended in with the light horse. And and they were, we were just all mates and equals at that time. And you've been in places like Alice Springs and there's something special that happens when you have an Indigenous man wearing that light horse uniform. What happens to the people who are spectators? And if you're in a place like Alice Springs, a higher Indigenous population, what's the sort of reaction you get from Indigenous people? Well, I can remember uh, putting a, a uniform on a young, rather retiring, shy 17-year-old lad and uh, very quiet and we put the uniform on him and as soon as he buttoned it up and put the slouch hat on with the feathers, it was like a transformation came over him. He stood up straight, his shoulders went back, and his eyes just lit up, and he just looked immensely proud, and it was like a spiritual moment that he was connecting with something that he didn't fully understand, but he be, had this sense that his forebears did a very important work in World War One, and he was connecting with that in some way. And the significance of that charge on Beersheba almost 100 years ago mm. with uh, Indigenous and non-Indigenous Australians amongst those light horsemen, mm. one of the most significant events in the history of the whole world. It was. And uh, I remember being at the Ambassador's residence in 2007 and the Ambassador James Larson uh, made the comment that if it hadn't have been for the charge uh, of the Australians at Beersheba, 
the modern state of Israel wouldn't be in existence today. Now, it's very interesting hearing that from a secular source, and I've heard other historians in Israel that have come, made the same analysis. And uh, Kelvin's had a lot to do with the education of Israelis in this, is this realm. We owe a lot to him for that. Uh, but that's uh, a realisation that's becoming um, quite apparent amongst a lot of Israelis. With the reenactment that's coming up with the centenary, you want to do something special with that reenactment. You want to be able to acknowledge those indigenous soldiers that were a part of the light horse. How mm. are you hoping to do that? Well, first of all, we've got to raise some money to get them over there and uh, get them out in full uniform. And uh, particularly when we do the ceremony at Shemak, where they uh, played a particular role in the charge there and in that Jordan Valley campaign, we want to give some uh, real recognition and prominence to the, to the uh, Indigenous troopers that we have with us. It'll be an exciting time. It'll happen at the end of October next year. That'll be the centenary of that charge on Beersheba. Barry Rogers is our guest. He's a director and a life member of the Light Horse Association. He's also the editor of the Spur magazine. That's the magazine of the Light Horse. When he's in Israel, he's welcomed with open arms because of his representation of the Light Horse Association. You can simply Google Australian Light Horse Association and you can find a way that you can contact Barry Rogers. But Barry, stay with us. Uh, there's more to talk about in just a few moments. We'll continue our conversation. I guess you could say we're doing a little bit of a preview to what will happen in around about a year's time at the end of October next year. That'll be the centenary of one of the most significant events in the history of the world. That was the Australian Light Horse and their cavalry charge on the town of Beersheba. It was significant because it opened the way for the freeing of the Jewish people to return to their homeland. There would eventually be a nation of Israel. Barry Rogers is our guest. Barry is a director and a life member of the Light Horse Association. He's organising a reenactment that's going to happen in around about a year from now. Barry, you're doing a reenactment. I know that you'd like to have as many Australian horsemen there as possible. So, who qualifies to be a part of this reenactment? Well, anybody out there amongst your listeners that love horses, they don't have to be a particularly good rider because we don't go at a, a frenetic pace. We'll actually be riding 75 kilometres over three and a half days. So, it's about 20 kilometres a day, but just a bit over. So, it's not terribly onerous but if anybody out there loves horses and wants and um, loves our Anzac history and wants to be part of uh, an extremely significant event uh, I would love to hear from them uh, I'd love to have them on board now you are promising that they'll all have full water bottles is that the case they didn't have that a hundred years ago no we can keep the water up to them this time <laughs> they're not a problem with that no we can do that Neil now there are a number of memorials throughout Israel. Mm. And as I understand it, there's already a memorial there in Beersheba that marks the light horseman and the mm. momentous event that that was uh, with mm. the charge on Beersheba. So these new monuments that are being talked about and this one mm. that uh, you're talking about as a memorial to those indigenous Australians who are part of the light horse, uh, how different will it look? What sort of monument will it be? 
Well, it'll be part of a restoration of the old historic railway station at Shamak that's been restored. When we went there in 2007, it was a complete wreck. It was in ruins, uh, no roof. Uh, it was in the middle of a rubbish dump and uh, we informed the, the, the authorities there that this was a very significant place in terms of World War I history. And uh, they have poured millions of dollars into the restoration of this and, and made wonderful gardens there. We've already put a lot of money into the gardens and uh, they've got interactive displays and uh, videos and it's just an amazing um, setup. But what a lot of people don't realise, there's more Anzac history in Israel than there is in Turkey, in Gallipoli. Uh, and the Israelis, have, uh, they're, they're pretty switched on and when they realised that there were tens of thousands, 50,000, 60,000 backpackers alone go to um, Gallipoli every year and to the Western Front for that pilgrimage. Uh, It's only a hop, step and a jump to go across to Israel and there's more Anzac history in Israel. Uh, So they're putting an Anzac trail in right through uh, the southern part of Israel and there's monuments all along the way. Um, Abraham's Well's been restored. Um, There's monuments at Beres Luge, a number of uh, ones, important ones at Beersheba, of course, but other Elberge is another one, uh, one at Shemak, and there's other places that have been recognised by the by the government there and the Jewish National Fund, and they've spent millions in putting up some very significant memorials. The Pratt Foundation have been uh, part of this as well, and a lot of private donors. Our association has been involved to a lesser extent. And it's uh, very significant and very worth seeing. Now, you're the organiser of the reenactment. Are the Israeli authorities, are they on site? Is this a big event for Israel? Or is this something that typical Israelis, it's somehow rather uh, part of their history, but uh, not so highly acknowledged? How do the Israelis look at it? It'll be huge. It'll be front page news on every paper in Israel during that period, I can assure you. And uh, we could not get over the number of radio uh, microphones and cameras that were thrust in our faces. It was just unbelievable. Uh, it just created an enormous excitement. And when we marched through Beersheba, the town of Beersheba, on horseback, they'd closed the schools for the day, and there was probably fifty or 60,000 mainly young people, but all older ones as well, waving Israeli and Australian flags on either side of us as we march down the street. And it's the most spine-tingling, um, emotional moment that I, I'll never forget to my dying day. What about the uniforms? If you've got people listening to our conversation now and a lot of horse lovers listening in, who'd be thinking that'd be the dream reenactment to be a part of, mm. uh, to be wearing a light horse uniform, uh, to be riding in to be a Sheba. How do you go about uh, organising the uniforms? Is there a, a is there a bunch of them you can use? Yeah, there's a number of suppliers around. Uh, there's one in Toowoomba, the Southern Cross Militaria. Uh, one that's uh, very very popular and widely used is Lawrence Ordnance in Sydney, and uh, Sparks Films hire them out, and uh, they're quite easily obtainable. Let's come back to those dollars, because in order to get four Indigenous horsemen 
to Israel for this reenactment and some money to be raised. I imagine there's still a shortfall when it comes to the memorial that you want to do for these Indigenous Australian light horsemen. How much money needs to be raised? Uh, what are you hoping that that people who perhaps even listening now might be able to help with? Uh, it's an enormous amount um, and it takes quite a lot of faith to believe it's going to happen. Uh, each Indigenous rider will cost with their uniforms and full tour costs um, including their insurance and visas and all the rest of it, it will be around about $10,000. So it's, it's not cheap. The hire of horses alone in Israel is costing $1,750. And uh, they have vets accompanying us. They have ambulances behind. They have security. Uh, it's a big deal and uh, very expensive as a result. The monument in Samak is... Uh, a bronze statue of a uh, light horseman and the model that Rick has put together for us uh, signifies um, a horse going down over the railway. It's collapsing under the rider. The rider is blindfolded, indicating it, uh, in an artistic way that it was done at night time. He couldn't see. And uh, this is what we hope we can put in pride of place at Samark. And that's well, about $50,000 US. Okay, so uh, we're talking $50,000 shortfall on the memorial, and then you're talking $10,000 ahead. And you'd like to see four Indigenous yep. uh, riders who are dressed in uh, the light horse uniform and being part of that whole reenactment. Well, uh, there's an aspiration there for listeners because you might know someone who could just fit the bill, who could be a part of one of those uh, indigenous reenactors, or you might be able to contribute to the cost of that memorial to be set up there in Beersheba, honouring those indigenous light horsemen. Let me point people to a website where you can find a link where you can make a donation or where you can find out more details about how you can be a part of the reenactment. Simply Google Australian Light Horse Association. If you Google Australian Light Horse Association, you'll get to the website and there'll be an opportunity for you to connect there or to make a donation. Barry Rogers is a director and a life member of the Light Horse Association. Barry, just great, inspiring, talking to you about these things today. Thanks so much for being with us on 2020. My pleasure. Hopefully we'll get a few riders joining us from uh, your listeners. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.